0: The 2023 NFL Draft is officially in the books. Who did the Seahawks land in the final four rounds on Saturday? I'll be breaking it all down in this bonus edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. A special thanks to all the 12s as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. A busy draft weekend officially in the books. The Seahawks had six selections in the final four rounds after yesterday trading out of the third round, completely a deal with the Broncos to get A 2024 third round pick. So they opened today with pick number 108 and then had five additional selections able to add, as John Schneider noted, a lot of toughness in this draft. That really seems to be the theme from the first round with Devin Witherspoon at pick number five all the way to the very end, getting Kenny McIntosh, the running back out of Georgia. Let's take a look at the six selections that the Seahawks made today, starting at pick number 108. Many were wondering when the Seahawks were going to address the trenches. Well, they emphasized that today in the draft, and they're going back to the LSU. Well, Damian Lewis picked a couple years ago in the third round, now getting a fourth round guard in Anthony Bradford at pick number 108, a player who's started a lot of games At guard, has also played tackle in a few games as well. And as John Schneider said today, he played well in an emergency situation, getting thrust in the lineup at tackle this past season. 334 pounds, a hulking guard. Pass protection looks like that may be the biggest thing that he's going to have to improve upon when he gets to the league. You look at some of the numbers per pro football focus. Got a 51.7 pass pro grade. Gave up 12 pressures, which is actually a pretty good number, but only uh, four sacks as well. 98.3 98.3 pass rating efficiency. So you look at where LSU stands right now or where the Seahawks land stand with this pick. He's got a chance to come in on day one and be a potential starter. He's gonna to get to compete against Phil Haynes, the guy that comes from the Rugged SEC. They like physical players like this that get after it off the line of scrimmage. And he had a really good combine workout. You don't necessarily see that athletic testing on his film, but the Seahawks should be hoping that they can find a way to have that translate better at the pro level. They still like guards that can get after it, get downhill. The big question is going to be how he handles their zone blocking schemes and reach blocks, but they really like the kid. They like the toughness of their player that overcame adversity. And so, again, he is going to be competing with Phil Haynes, most likely at that right guard spot. Maybe Damian Lewis, who was his teammate in 2019, maybe those two will be playing together again on the Seahawks offensive line. A few picks later at 123, the Seahawks finally get their defensive tackle. And they get Cameron Young from Mississippi State, another player, that dominated in the SEC, really physical player. John Schneider said that he's got a backside as wide as Clint Hurts. So talking about the size, is a big-bodied defensive tackle. He's only listed at 304 pounds, but he plays bigger than that, really stout at the point of attack. Seattle needed help with their run defense, especially after losing outwards in free agency to cut him. He's still available on the market, but not having him or a healthy Brian Monet, This is going to be their new nose tackle in Cameron Young, a player who is really stout, dominated against the run. Not going to get a lot in terms of pass rushing production out of him. He had 18 pressures last year, just one sack his entire career at Mississippi State. But this is a player that may have some upside to potentially develop in that area of his game when he gets to the NFL. But this is going to be a pick that's supposed to help the run defense and bring some toughness, bring some juice to that front line in the interior at the nose tackle position. The Seahawks had two fifth round picks and they continued to address the trenches. Maybe the pick that personally I'm most intrigued by of the six selections the Seahawks made today came at 151 and that's with Mike Morris coming from Michigan, 295 pounds. He actually weighed in at 275 at the combine a few weeks ago. And then the Seahawks were one of the teams, he mentioned this today in his post-draft conference that This was a team that wanted him to bulk up. You're a big guy, get up to 290, 295. So he's back up in that 295 range right now. They're expecting that he's going to play defensive end. And he's got some pretty intriguing numbers. Did not test well the combine, but he was coming off an ankle injury. But you look at some of the numbers, he was in the top 40 in the entire country for interior defensive ends for pressure rate, 20.5%. That was ahead of players such as Lucas Van Ness, who was drafted much earlier in the draft. And so this is a guy that has been able to get after the quarterback. He had nine sacks last year. Didn't play much the two seasons before then, and those numbers could have potentially been better this past year if not for the high ankle sprain that he had. So you're not talking about a guy that playing off edge in the NFL is going to be able to get upfield quickly. He doesn't have that kind of burst, but playing as a defensive end where he's going to be shaded over guards, playing B-gaps, He's got a chance to be a real problem as a pass rusher as well as a run defender. So certainly a player to keep an eye on who could battle for reps early on in his career with the Seahawks. And a couple of picks later, Seattle stuck with the Michigan man theme on the offensive line, getting a potential starting center. And oh, a who was the Remington Award winner as well as the Outland Trophy winner last year. So not just named the best center in the country, but the best interior offensive lineman in the country. Lasted until the middle of the fifth round, and the Seahawks were able to snag him at that point. Didn't give up any sacks last year, just nine pressures allowed in pass protection. But really where he thrived at Michigan They had one of the best running games in the entire country. And a big reason for that was this anchor in the middle. Not necessarily a mauler, not a guy that's going to consistently drive defenders several yards off the ball. But at the same time, he's got good pop with his pads. He's technically sound, and he's a solid athlete. Not the most athletic center prospect in this class, but he's got solid athletic metrics, can block in the zone game as well. Was one of the top five graded run blockers at center by pro football focus. Pete Carroll said he's expecting. He's going to compete against Evan Brown on day one to start at the center position. Over 3,500 snaps at center playing at Virginia his first three years at the D1 level and then at Michigan this past season. So he's played in every scheme. He's played against every scheme. This is a really experienced kid coming into the NFL. This got a chance to potentially push for a starting job early on Seattle's offensive line. Getting to the last two picks that they made today in the sixth round, pick 198. 198. There was a theme in this draft that maybe isn't getting a lot of discussion, but a lot of players who had top 30 visits to the Seahawks were drafted this year. Jarek Reed, the second out of New Mexico, being another player with Devin Witherspoon as well, that had a top 30 visit and was selected by the Seahawks. And I loved how John Schneider summed up his game today. After the draft concluded, the meeting that they had with him watching the film, Citing the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, he said he plays like an angry elf, and you can see it on the film. This is a really aggressive player. He's played in a 3-3-5 defense, so he's played in the slot. He's played strong safety. He's played free safety. Extremely versatile Swiss Army Knife, who's got really good production, over 200 tackles in his career at New Mexico. Started his college career at a junior college, lightly recruited despite having big numbers in high school. some it's the fact he's 5'9". He's not a big safety by any means, but really athletic. Ran in the low 4'4s four at his pro day, 38-inch vertical. He's played every special team's imaginable. So this is a really good sixth-round value pick. And Schneider had a big smile on his face talking about the fact that this kid who was under the radar – They were trying to keep it under the radar with that top 30 visit. And there's been some buzz generated the last month or so. They were able to still get him in the sixth round. So they're really excited to develop him behind Quandre Diggs as a free safety, potentially can also play in the nickel, a guy that can do a lot of different stuff right off the bat, can carve out a role on special teams. And last but not least, I will say this. It was the the most interesting interview that I've had with a player after being selected. Kenny McIntosh, the running back out of Georgia, did not anticipate that he was going to fall to the seventh round. And the start of the call, you could just hear the frustration was in tears. You could tell that this was not what he expected. He was making calls with his agent about undrafted possibilities. He just didn't see that happen happening after winning a national championship the last two years at Georgia, having a great season last year, particularly as a receiving running back. And then that quickly turned back to his confidence on that call. He can do it all. Believes that he's a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. He's going to come in. He's wanting to prove himself just as he did at Georgia. Playing behind a bunch of talented backs. Getting his chance last year. Now he wants to do that in Seattle. And what I really love about this kid. I mentioned it earlier. He was actually my number five ranked running back in this class. And a big reason why. The versatility. Second in the country in receiving yards by a running back last year. Seventh in receptions. Had two receiving touchdowns. Not the highest number. But really productive soft hands you can play him out in the slot and he averaged five and a half yards per carry as a running back with 10 touchdowns as well so i said it in my scouting report with this kid and this is not a knock this is still a really good player he is a master of no trade, but he is a jack of all of them. And what I mean by that, he can do a little bit of everything at a really high level. Maybe not elite at any one particular part of his game, but players like that can carve out long careers, especially if they can catch the football out of the backfield, which Macintosh is as fluid in that capacity as any back in this class. So it's another good change of pace back to go with Zach Charbonnet, who they drafted in the second round and returning. Runner-up rookie of the year candidate Ken Walker the third. They've now got three really exciting backs there. Four if you're counting DJ Dallas, who's been productive when given opportunities. So two backs going into the draft. Now they've got four. They got to be feeling pretty good about the crop of players that they have there looking at the draft as a whole. We're going to break this down more on Monday's episode, but this is a group that, you know, there were some fans that were upset for a while because they weren't addressing the trenches. That changed. On day three, getting Bradford and Owlotomy for the offensive line, Young and Morris for your defensive line, guys that can play in the interior. Three tech nose tackles. You get a versatile safety and Jarek Reed, the second, Kenny McIntosh, another running back with a little different skill set. And then you have the talented players they picked on day one Devin Witherspoon, the top corner in this draft class, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who the Seahawks believe was the top receiver in this class you got the best player available rather than just pushing for needs. And they were still able to get guys who were high on their board on day three to address those needs. Still have to add some players. Maybe Al Woods or Puna Ford or Shelby Harris comes back after the draft. They're going to have to create some money to be able to do that. But this overall looks like a pretty solid class. We'll have more observations, more insight. More specifics on this class when Rob Rang and I get together on Monday for our next Locked On Seahawks podcast. But make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can subscribe to our show on YouTube and all other major podcast platforms to ensure that you don't miss a single episode. Again, coming up on Monday, more reactions, more insight analysis looking at this entire draft class as a whole and talking some undrafted free agency as well as the Seahawks look to recruit some really good players that didn't hear their name drafted today and put them on the roster heading into rookie minicamp and OTAs. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Go Hawks.